0: Hey everyone, Matt Pat here. You're listening to Like and Describe, YouTube's first official trends podcast. Each episode, we go on a journey to find. Actually, you know what? Let's bring in something a bit more appropriate for this episode, shall we? There we go. In each episode of Like and Describe, we go on a journey to find the little known stories behind YouTube's biggest trends. As you may know, this episode is being uploaded on August 11th, 2023, on what's considered to be the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And if you're a hip hop fan who spent any sort of time on YouTube, there's a good chance that you've come across videos with the words type beat in the title. But what exactly is a type beat? Well, what you might not know is that these type beat videos are central to the modern day music landscape, with rappers using these beats as source material for their songs. Hits like Panda by Designer and Whoop Day by CJ, even the country rap smash Old Town Road emerged from one of these type beats. The producer Young Keo posted a future type beat to YouTube, Lil Nas X found it, used it to create Old Town Road, and the rest is history. All told, videos with type beat in the title have earned over 35 billion views across YouTube. Now, I love music, but uh, I'm not an expert on type beats, or even hip-hop for that matter. So I found two people who are. Tumabasa is the director of Black Music and Culture at YouTube. He's been working in the hip-hop space for 25 years, and was previously the global head of hip-hop programming at Spotify. While there, he created and curated a playlist that you might have heard of, Rap Caviar. Curtis King is a California-based producer and rapper who's worked with artists like Kendrick Lamar and Mac10. He's also a YouTube creator who posts how-to videos and industry commentary, and he produced the beat that's playing under the intro right now. Little did I realize that I would soon be sitting in the middle of a debate about the future of how this music, and how all art, gets produced. Not only did we dive into the fascinating ways that type beats have disrupted the hip-hop industry, But we also got into AI and some pretty surprising takes on it. So now, without any further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Tuma and Curtis. Tuma, Curtis, welcome to Like and Describe. So for all the listeners at home, if you could do me a favor and just uh, introduce yourselves, who you are, what you do. Tuma, let's start with you.
1: My name is Tuma Basa. I'm originally from Rwanda in Central Africa. What do I do? I'm the director of black music and culture at YouTube.
0: That's a good way of describing it, sure. And then uh, Curtis. So I'm Curtis King. I'm an artist,
2: music producer, YouTuber, father,
0: and husband.
2: And music is my number one passion.
1: Yo, can I can we do it over again? Because Curtis, you're gonna get me in big trouble with my wife and, and like and that's, oh, that's my said, bad. That's my bad. Me, okay, somebody gave okay, it to okay. me before <laughs> and
2: I was like, I would never be caught slipping like that ever again. <laughs> yeah.
0: We we, we could we can make it we can make it a blanket here. We could be like, all all the fathers currently raise your hand, yeah, all the husband go. all the husbands currently yeah. raise your hand. You know, everyone who currently loves their wife, Absolutely. raise your hand. <laughs> all, yeah, double hands. Uh-huh. I, think, I think we got that one covered. <laughs> so uh, will you tell us just, you know, to, to set like the, the ground level for everyone sure. here listening, what exactly is a type beat? You know, I was thinking about the way that I could
2: explain this before I came on here today. And mm-hmm. then I looked over oddly enough, at a bag of Oreos. And I thought to myself, okay, if I'm a regular consumer and I know that I'm in the cookie aisle, I'm trying to identify what exactly I'm getting. But imagine if you went to the cookie aisle and every single cookie was labeled the same exact thing, just cookie. For rappers in the multitude, the millions of beats that they have access to, it's important for them as artists to kind of filter down what exactly you're offering as a music producer. So you have a music producer who will export their beat, categorize it as, let's say, a Kendrick Lamar type beat. They'll go on the YouTube channel and what they'll do is they'll title it Kendrick Lamar type beat and possibly the name of the beat to kind of make it separate from everybody else. Instead of going through, I mean, some rappers I've heard go through hours and hours of beats looking for one beat, and so for tight beat marketing,
0: it just makes life easier on both ends. Nice, and and to kind of bring it to the the minds of people listening who might not sure. be familiar with this world, Tuma, do you have any examples off the top of your mind of tight beats that have become huge hits on YouTube or big tight beat trends that people might be able? Oh, oh I know that song, or oh, I know that beat or, oh, that, beat, or that artist.
1: There was Lil Nas X's Old Town Road. That's probably the most famous example of a type beat being discovered on YouTube and blowing up. It was labeled a future type beat. Another example, Designer Panda. That has over 1.3 billion combined views. That was originally a Meek Mill, Ace Hood, Wale-type beat that Designer reportedly bought for 200 bucks, produced by a UK producer named Menace. Another example, CJ, Whoop Day, CJ from Staten Island. He came across a nice little drill track, he breathed life into the beat and Whoop Day became a huge hit on YouTube, over 400 million views.
2: Yeah,
1: J. Cole. He went and found a J. Cole type beat on YouTube by a type beats producer named Batman and did a whole song called Procrastination, but he let Batman put it on his page. There was direct attribution to the the, the type beat producer. He gave him a little bit of public love. and It's also a huge milestone in terms of the rest of the world knowing about the type beats world.
0: Don't you dare run from it. There's no boogeyman. It ain't coming to hurt you. I think acceptance is somewhat of a virtue. Wow, okay. Uh, so I'm looking this up right now. The song is Procrastination Broke, and the background of the video actually has this screenshot of a message from Jay Cole that says, This song should live on your channel and serve as a thank you to you and every producer out there cooking up and sharing their work with the world. It's pretty incredible. So uh, let me just take a step back here at this point. What was the process of making hip-hop like before all of this, before the internet and YouTube?
1: Back in the day, in order to get heard, you had to put your music on a demo tape, and that demo tape had to get to an A&R representative at, a record label. And the A&R stands for Artists and Repertoire. And those are the people who basically selected the beats that artists used. There used to be a whole street in New York City. Hit Factory Studios, Sony Studios. There were all these studios right there on that block. All of them are gone. They're, they're condos now. Literally. They, they converted them into condos. Those brick and mortar days are pretty much disappearing, except for like very high level production But the majority of beats are now pretty much done in the bedroom.
0: So what's responsible for that
1: change? Well, it's not the same gatekeepers anymore because you can go direct to consumer. You can build your fan bases directly before the gatekeepers were kind of protected by these barriers to entry, whether it be public airwaves on the radio, cable monopolies with cable television stations, how capital intensive it was to print magazines. So now with the internet and with things being almost almost free to upload, it costs you your time and your internet, your Wi-Fi.
0: Okay, so with the internet, there came this ability for producers to sell beats directly to the rappers, right? So then, how did YouTube fit into all of this?
2: YouTube saved the lives of so many independent producers.
1: Eh. YouTube
2: literally saved the lives of a lot of producers who did not have the budget to do the kind of marketing we did back in my day on a SoundClick, right? So on a SoundClick, it's a website that people buy beats from to get the kind of marketing that you can get by properly titling, properly putting the thumbnails and tagging your videos, the kind of marketing that you get for free on YouTube. Oh, my gosh. I remember sometimes going through $2,000, $3,000 a week in just the the ads for one particular beat, plus doing custom banners and things like that. And that was only on one website. And so with YouTube, it gave you a fighter's chance And it even the playing field and that YouTube just gave a space and it's still giving a space on a regular basis for producers who are not household names, producers who don't have placements. Because that used to be the only way that you could make it into the quote unquote industry or the game is that you had to have had placements to have any kind of credibility. Now, J. Cole is going out and searching for J. Cole beats Mm -hmm. and then contacting them. And then they're actually meeting up. So. When I see that kind of stuff, it just lets you know that society is in a different place. The business of music production is in a different place. And because of that, so many people have uh, full time careers in music who otherwise probably wouldn't have had it because, you know, if they're going the traditional route in the music industry, only so many people make
0: it that way. Right. So what I'm hearing you say is that not only is this a place for like up and coming musicians or people who who want to start their career can find their collaborators easily, but also it's a place where big artists, you know, already established in the space can also find new talent to pull from and and collaborate with. So it, it works on all different scales of their career at this point. Yeah.
2: Well, the interesting thing, I won't make sure I let uh, Tuma chime in on this. No, no,
1: no, you talk. You, I, uh, I, I'm enjoying
0: <laughs> I was yeah.
2: going to say, it, it's not a very new concept when you think about artists like 50 Cent. 50 Cent talked about, I think one time in a Double XL magazine, how he would, he, he didn't want to know the producers he was working with. He would have, I think, Chamonix XL compile 20 beats. From producers that were unknown, producers that were known, and he would see how all the beats stacked up against each other. And then he would create the best body of work based upon those 20 beats. That, to me, is the same thing that artists are doing now. It's not so much about having a name as much as it is, do you have the product? You know, because sometimes with a name comes headaches. Sometimes comes egos. Sometimes comes paying $150,000 for one singular beat, it's leaving the door open for other people to have a voice. The
1: thing about it could be anyone on the other end, for me, I think geographically, right? Mm-hmm. Just a my personal story. When I was a teenager, I grew up in Zimbabwe, right? I'm, I'm from Rwanda, but I grew up in Zimbabwe. Right. And in the early 90s, I wanted to be a rapper. But the barriers to entry was so, if you were in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, it almost felt impossible. And what YouTube and this ecosystem and this ability that it could be anyone on the other end is that if I'm in Lilongwe, Malawi or in Kathmandu, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. I actually have the ability to participate, to benefit right? I got another theory. We have the work from anywhere era, where we can actually work from anywhere if what you work on is knowledge, mm-hmm. right? And, and music, art, all that stuff, is it's just a different type of knowledge, right? We're not yet in the succeed from anywhere era. I had to be in New York for 15 years and be in LA for three years, Atlanta two years, in order to build the network, to get the opportunities, to get to this work from anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Succeed from anywhere is if Soldier Boy stays in Mississippi after he does the Superman. The succeed from anywhere is that I don't have to leave the people I love or my favorite barbershop. I don't have to sacrifice my entire life and relocate mm-hmm. to a population center full of decision makers and check writers, right. right? That's why people move to Atlanta. That's why people move to LA. So that decentralization is going to come. And so Type Beats is one of the first mm-hmm. examples. I see what you mean of that decentralization where it's not just working from anywhere, it's succeeding from anywhere, it's getting a big check that I don't have to physically be present to present my work.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So what do you say then to people who just write off type beat producers as unoriginal, right? That say that they're just copying existing artists?
2: So initially, when I started to utilize type beats I was made very clear that this is not about copying anyone's style. This was about sitting with the beat and listening to it. You know, when you're a producer, you're listening to your beat on loop hundreds and hundreds of time in any given session and sitting back, putting your hand on your head and saying, who can I imagine rapping over this? And in that decision, that final name that gets spat out is the tight beat. So many times what I'll do, because I'm also an artist, is that as I'm making the beat, I'll rap over the beat or I'll even mumble over the beat. And I'm like, who does that remind me of? You know what? That does sound like something that J. Cole would say. It wasn't about originally about copying. Now, does that exist? Absolutely. It exists in every space, but As times evolve, what we're going to see is the people that you're going to see who are going to stand the test of time are going to be the people who truly love this and truly hang
1: their hat on their creativity and their originality. The riffing off, I think, is a misconception. That's the labeling. That's the branding, right? That's a way to get the beat in the right hands facts it's for the search engines yeah exactly exactly so it's not they're not cloning the beats they're just saying hey if you're into this you're into that which is very much how a lot of machine learning works on all all these platforms right so thinking about machine learning then
0: this year has been like the year of this huge ai surge there's just been so much speculation right now in the marketplace about how ai is going to impact the music industry in the coming years. What do you guys think this technology will mean for the future of type beats specifically?
1: There is a little bit of vulnerability in, right, in terms of AI and type beats. And what the type beats producers need to do is master AI. So, so have both and understand the nuances and understanding how to operate whatever AI programs pop up and staying ahead of it but also that handcrafted, that, that human part. So it's no different from back in the day where you had DJs who sampled records and played. They weren't doing live musicianship. There wasn't a real trombone right. in, the, in the room or the band trying to harmoniously sync. It's a similar type of shift. And there are going to be 13-year-old kids who are gonna master. and They're gonna make the greatest beat using AI. Using AI, if that 13-year-old kid puts the same heart and soul into the the current existing programs to make a dopey, just imagine what that 13-year-old kid is going to be able to do with some super-powered large la- language model, whatever you call them. Right,
0: whatever you want to call it. Yep, makes total sense. I get so excited about
2: it. What AI is doing is now giving us an opportunity to have a team without having a team. Now I can utilize this particular graphic design. I can utilize these particular sounds, and I can bring all of these things together to create a level of evolution that no producer or artist has ever seen ever before. I think Childish Gambino alluded to it when he was talking about Elvis Presley. Imagine if the music didn't take as long as it took for Elvis Presley, maybe he would have been a better actor. Right? Mm. <laughs> we're living in that wow. we're living in that time now. <laughs> Woo, that's hard. A.I. can speed things up, but it still can't shortcut your ability to have creativity for prompt. When you're able to go into some of these websites and type in what is a little Uzi Vert type beat and they can break down instrument by instrument what it is. I think that if you're someone who's creative, that makes you want to go into so many different directions. But sometimes all you need is a little bit of a jump start. All you need is a spark. And I'm so excited now that that spark is probably going to be lighter And brighter than it's ever been before.
0: Yeah. Tuma, Curtis, thank you guys so much. This was fantastic. And I I mean, honestly, like, I I wish we could sit here for another hour because this is all fascinating. But thank you for taking the time. Likewise. Thank you for your expertise. And uh, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: If I'm being honest, talking to Tuma and Curtis really brought me back to my early days on YouTube over a decade ago. I remember being inspired by other creators that I found on the platform, people who I would have never been able to meet in real life. But here I was, watching them, getting inspired by them, and eventually getting to work with them. All thanks to this new virtual, global marketplace. And that's just talking about the creative side. There's also the whole world where creative meets marketing, making sure that your video, whether it's a Drake type beat, or in my case, a Deadpool is secretly Ernest Hemingway video, can cut through the noise and find the right people at the right time. Artists are getting smarter about how search algorithms work, how content suggestions work, how to match your creative product to the platform that it's going on. I mean, at this point, my team and I have like five hours of meetings a week on just titles and thumbnails alone. Looking ahead to the future, I can't wait to see how musicians, and honestly all artists, use technology to be heard and to create something that is completely original. Thanks for listening to episode four of Like and Describe, YouTube's first official trends podcast. I'm Matt Pat. In celebration of hip hop's 50th anniversary, YouTube is rolling 50 deep. The 50 Deep flagship playlist at yt.be slash yt50deep. That's yt.be slash yt50, that's 50deep. You can find out more about like and describe at yt.be slash like describe. That's yt.be slash like describe. And you can find links to all of the videos that we referenced in the episode description. Like and Describe is produced by Emily Shaw, Amanda Olszewski, Brian Farnham, Kevin Meenan, Jake Wright, and Ray Pang. This episode was edited by Emily Shaw and Zach McNeese, and mixed by Zach McNeese as well. Special thanks to Tumabasa and Curtis King. Our usual theme song is by Megan Bagala, and today's special theme, plus some of the type beats that you heard along the way, are by Curtis King himself. As always, my friends, I'll see you next time.